Good morning, church. Would you please stand to your feet? This is the day that he has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in our Father's love this morning. Let's pray. As we draw closer to his heart this morning, his presence becomes tangible. Let's worship him. Those who follow 
thankful to be here in the house of God. We're so thankful for you, Heavenly Father, that you are the God of the mountain and the God of the valley. We worship you in this place. I search the world, but it couldn't fail me. And man's empty praise, the treasures of faith, never enough. And you came along and put me back together.
turns our mourning into dancing and our sorrow into joy. And the second half says, and I will sing your praise. Can we sing about the goodness of God this morning, church? I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Good. 
many of you would agree that it's so good that God's faithfulness and his goodness run after you? You see, it doesn't matter the circumstance that you have gone through, that he is pursuing you. Just look towards the past a little bit and see how faithful he has been through your history, whether that's in your finances, whether that's in health, whether that's in relationship, whether that's with a prodigal child returning home. See how good he has been to you. What I love in that song, this is a song of remembering, but also a song of declaration that no matter what, I will sing of his faithfulness, that no matter what, I will sing of his goodness. So right now, as a, as a collective unit, can we just worship God and say, Lord, we are thankful for who you are. God, we so appreciate you. We thank you for the goodness and the faithfulness that you have shown to each and every one of us. Lord, the stories that are represented in this room, the miracles, the stories that could be told of the miracles, the countless miracles that you have done in each and every one of these people's lives. God, we declare your faithfulness and we say thank you. And Lord, for anyone who might be going through a circumstance right now, Lord, we lift our eyes up off the ground. We lift the eyes up off of ourselves, Lord, and we look towards your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, and we declare that it will be done in Jesus' name. Lord, the provision will come. The finances will come. Lord, the healed relationship will come. Health would come. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And all of God's children said, amen, amen. Hey, thanks so much for being with us here at the bridge today, whether you're in person or whether you're online. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend your day with us. Hey, just want to remind you of a few things. We do have a family room that's right over that direction. If you have young children, and I know I have young children, and they're going to head that direction right now because sometimes they get a little squirmy, and I have a little seven-month-old baby who also likes to uh, be vocal. So uh, if at any time you might feel more comfortable, you can head over to the family room. Uh, But if you want to stay here, you are certainly welcome to do that. Hey, before you take a seat or as you're online, why don't you just wave at somebody, smile real big, let them see that you're happy to be here, and God bless. Good morning again, Bridge family. We're so happy to be in church with you today. Fall is here and we are gearing up for the holiday season here at The Bridge. Even though this year has been much different than previous years, we are excited to spend the weeks ahead with you and your family and enjoy all that this season has to offer. Here's a look at what's coming up in church life. If you are new to The Bridge and you want to get connected or serve on a team, we invite you to come to Connecting Point on Sunday, December 6th. Connecting Point is where you go to learn more about the history, heart, mission, and vision of the Bridge Church, but most importantly, find out where you fit in. We ask anyone who wants to serve on a team to first come to Connecting Point, and there's never been a better time than now to join a team and serve here in the church. So make your plans to join us again on Sunday, December 6th during the 1130 service. 
If you have kids, Bridge Kids will be open during the service to serve them. We want to help you find your place in the Bridge family, and we look forward to seeing you at Connecting Point. If you haven't heard yet, Bridge Kids is reopening next Sunday. Our first step is to reopen for the 1130 service only. This will help us ensure that we have the teams we need in place to serve your kids well. So to help everyone be prepared and to know what to expect, we sent an email this past week with guidelines to all families. So be sure to check your email or you can go to the Bridge Kids page of our website or the Bridge Kids Facebook page and find out all the details. We are excited about serving your kids and helping them grow in their relationship with God and other kids. We believe God has great things in store for them ahead in these days. Bridge Women Connect groups are happening throughout the week across the Temecula Valley. Ladies, it's not too late to join a group and grow in your walk with God in the company of other amazing women. There are in-person, online, and hybrid groups available for you to join. If you'd like to find a group, just go to the Bridge Women page of our website or check out the Bridge app. We want to help you grow in your faith and build strong relationships this fall. If you're new to the church, we want to help you find your place and get connected. We invite you to go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. And if you don't yet have the Bridge app, just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. This is the best way to stay updated with everything happening in church life. Thanks again for being in church today. We love spending Sundays with you. And now let's get into God's Word. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Have you ever heard about the... So quiet out there. How's everybody doing today? Man, you act like your mother-in-law's coming for Thanksgiving or something, you know? Come on, cheer up. Have you ever heard about the Grinch that stole Christmas? The Grinch has stole my pulpit. And the problem is, if I don't have a pulpit, I preach twice as long. Now think about that. Think about that. Yeah, three people said, yeah, I'm leaving now. I'm going to get going. Uh, it's, it's, is it on the way? It's. Here, I'll tell you what. Why don't we pray while they're doing that, all right? Let's do that. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness, for your hand upon our lives. We thank you that you're here to speak to us today some things so clear, some things so simple yet things so profound that they're going to shape the future of this church, of your people, of our lives, and what we accomplish in this valley and around the world. We thank you for what you do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, give him a hand for the help this morning. <clears throat> if you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to open up to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I've got something to share today that I believe is really, really important. Now, some will say, well, aren't all sermons, aren't all teachings important? Absolutely. Every time you open God's word, if your heart is open, God will speak to you. He uses his word to speak to us, to shape our lives and to shape our future. But sometimes... God speaks some things that are really strong, really important. How many of you ever had moments when God says something that's really, really important? 
I really feel like today God's got something to say to us that's going to kind of set the stage for what he's going to do in and through our lives in the future. You know, I, I say something like this from time to time. I don't have any voice. I don't have any authority out there other than what God's given me here in this church. So I'm speaking to the Bridge Church today. Whether you're here in the building, whether you're watching online, I believe this is an important message. And I want to encourage you to open your heart today and let God drop his word in your heart. You know, in this great big world that we live in, and, and I'm, I'm talking about the world, the globe, the people, Think about this, 7.4 billion people approximately on the earth today. Get your mind around that, 7.4 billion with a B. That's a lot of people. Uh, in America, there's approximately 328 million. So if you take what we've got in America and multiply it many, many, many times, what, 18, 19 times, then you kind of get the global picture of just how many people are on this planet. You say, well, why do you share that today? Because really in life, it's easy to seem and to feel insignificant. It's easy to go through life, especially this year. I mean, this has been the weirdest year of my life. Um, how many are looking forward to next year? Because it's probably going to be weirder. I mean, you know, we're just living in different times. Things are weird. And sometimes it's really easy to feel insignificant. Like you don't have a role. You don't carry any weight. You're not making a difference anywhere. And I'm just one little dot on this globe. And you can't even see me from outer space. Back in the early 1990s, I was pastoring in Orange County. And there was a lady in the church who talked to me one day. And and she said, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, what's going on? She said, I feel so insignificant. I come to church every week, but I just, I feel so insignificant. And I want to ask you today, have you ever felt that way? I feel so insignificant. Like I don't matter. Me being here makes no difference whatsoever. So I, I asked her a couple of questions. First question was, are you involved in God's work? Are you involved in church life? Are you, are you involved anywhere? Are you connected with God? And are you connected with people in any way? And her answer was well, pretty much no. But the other part of the question was, are you engaged with what God's trying to do in the earth? See, every believer needs to understand whether we're talking to young people sitting right over here, whether we're talking to older people around the building, whether it's somebody at home, regardless of your age, if you are a child of God, you are significant to the plans of God in the earth. But you got to be engaged. And you got to be connected to people, not just connected to God, but connected with people. And, you know, oftentimes I've learned that we feel insignificant. This is where I'm going today. We feel insignificant because we're missing the assignments God has for us. <clears throat> we miss the assignments God has for us. I want you to look at Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at a story here in this chapter 
I may refer to some other stories today, but this is where we're going to read today. Acts chapter 9, skip down to verse number 10 if you've got a Bible open there. If you don't have your Bible, the verses will be on the screen. Acts 9, verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus. Everybody say Damascus. Named Ananias. Say Ananias. Okay. Damascus, Ananias. Damascus is... A couple hundred miles or so from Jerusalem. It's up in Syria. So there's a city of Damascus and there's a certain disciple, follower of Jesus. His name is Ananias. And to Ananias, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. How many of you have ever heard God call your name? Have you ever had God knock on your heart? Have you ever had God shake you? Zach, wake up. Nick, whatever it might be. Have you ever had God just grab you and grab your attention? In a vision, God says, Ananias. And Ananias said, here I am, Lord. Interesting. Go on to verse 2 or verse 11. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying verse 12 and in a vision he's seen a man named ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight god said ananias yes i've got an assignment for you verse 13 ananias answered lord i've heard from many about this man saul how much harm he's done to your saints in jerusalem and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him, now notice God's words, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to read a little bit more later, but let's stop here for a couple minutes. I'm convinced that God has assignments for all of us. Some of us know about life assignments, that I have a calling on my life, but in the big picture, there are small pictures where God has assignments along the way. Uh, let me illustrate this in a different way. There are a lot of churches in this valley. Each church has a different calling on it. We're called by God to do different things. God puts his anointing on a leader. He leads the church in the direction God wants him to go. The point I want to make is we're all different and we have different callings, even from church to church. But our church from time to time is given an assignment by God. And God says, you need to take care of this in this particular season. It's the same for our individual lives. God has assignments for our lives. You see, God likes to drop things on our doorstep. God likes to drop things on our doorstep and says, here, I have an assignment for you. So, what do you do when God calls your name? What do you do when God calls your name? Ananias, Fred, 
Mary, Joe, Joan, whoever it might be. What do you do when God calls your name? You know, Ananias probably felt like he was insignificant. All the action of the church, for the most part, was happening down in Jerusalem, down in Israel. That's where the church is really growing and spreading and all the excitement. Jesus had been there. The apostles were there. All the actions down there. But, you know, 200 miles today is nothing. But in those days, 200 miles is a big deal. Ananias is up there and probably feeling like, well, we're just an extension of the church up here in Damascus. We're not down there where all the action is, and I'm not important. I'm just one of the guys here in the church. But God called his name and says, Ananias, I have an assignment for you. What do you do when God calls your name? I'll tell you what you do. You say, here I am. Is there anybody in the house today? Who's willing to say, here I am, Lord? One, two, three, four. Okay, that's, that's what I was looking for. Anybody interested in saying, here I am, Lord? You see, God's voice is important. He doesn't waste his words. God doesn't just talk to be talking. He doesn't just, nah, nah, nah. have you been around somebody that just, after a while it's like, oh, give me a break, you know? You know somebody like that? I know a couple like that, a couple people, a couple hundred people like that. I know there are, there are people like that. But you know, when God says something, it's really, really important. So when God calls your name, he's looking for you to answer and say, here I am, because he doesn't waste his words. So God says, Ananias, I have an assignment for you. When God has an assignment for you, it's always going to be accompanied with some instructions. God's going to say, here's what I need you to do. When God gives you instructions and an assignment, what's he looking for? Obedience. First, you answer the call. You pick up the phone. Okay, I'm listening. He tells you what to do. He's looking for obedience. But here's the deal. A lot of us struggle with this because God's assignments usually stretch us. God's assignments tend to make us a little bit uncomfortable because he asks us to do things that in our own strength and our own thinking we might not do but they cause us to depend upon him to use our efforts see god says to ananias hey i want you to go to a certain street find a certain house where a guy named judas lives and there's a guy staying there named saul he is waiting on you because I've already told him you're coming. He's been blinded. He needs you to show up. Saul of Tarsus. And all of a sudden, Ananias says, whoa, whoa, I, wait, wait just a minute, God. I know about Saul of Tarsus. This is the guy who's commissioned to stop and destroy the church. He's been commissioned by those in Jerusalem to come all the way to Damascus and to stop us and to shut us up. He may throw us in prison. They've even killed some people who are following Jesus. God, I'm not sure I want to go talk to this guy, Saul. This could be a trap. Have you ever felt like God was walking you into a trap? Have you ever felt like God was calling you to a difficult place? Have you ever felt God gave you an assignment and in the natural you felt like, I would rather just pass on this one. Why don't you give it to somebody else? God gives you an assignment. You are perfect for the assignment. 
It fits you. It fits your trust in him. It fits your relationship with him. And you don't need to be afraid of it no matter what it might be. Now, let me, let me illustrate this a little further. I preached several weeks ago about Elijah when he went to King Ahab. God may call you and say, you need to go talk to somebody who seems to be a lot more important than you and you need to tell them some truths that they may not want to hear. Can I tell you something? I don't want that assignment. That's not my assignment, not yet. If it becomes my assignment, I'll figure out how to carry it. But that's not something I want to do. But Elijah said, okay, went and found Ahab and said, Ahab, here's the deal. It's not going to rain till I say so. He walks away and for three and a half years it doesn't rain. Drought hits the land. Or, or how about this one? It's almost Christmas season. This young girl, probably a young teenage girl, an angel shows up one day and says, Mary, Mary, oh, this is great. God's chosen you to have a baby. She says, I've never even known a man. Oh, don't worry about it. God's going to put a seed in you, and you're going to give birth to the very Son of God. Isn't that exciting? Most young women would say, no, I, th I think I'll pass on that one. She said, how's that going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and God's going to put the Son of God in you. God in the flesh is going to be birthed through you. And she says, let it be to me according to your word. And God did it. Or how about this one? Philip, I mean, he, he's in a red-hot revival in Samaria. The Lord speaks to him and says, leave the revival and go down to the desert. On the desert road, I have an assignment for you. So Philip takes off, makes the long journey to the desert road, and there he runs across an Ethiopian eunuch heading back to Ethiopia. He's been to Jerusalem to worship. He's hungry for God. He's looking for the truth. And, he's, and when Philip arrives there, this Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53. The eunuch looks at Philip and says, do you know who he's talking about? Philip climbs up in the chariot and tells him about Jesus. In a few minutes' time, he's not only witness to this Ethiopian eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch gives his heart to the Lord. They stop the chariot at the side of the road. Philip and the eunuch go down into the water, and Philip baptizes him. And as soon as he pulls him up out of the water, the Spirit of God catches Philip away, and he's gone several miles. And the Ethiopian eunuch's there all by himself. Philip had to make the decision to make that long journey just to touch that one man. Or how about Peter in the house of Cornelius? God's talking to Cornelius up in Caesarea Philippi. He's talking to Peter down here. He tells Cornelius, go get Peter. He tells Peter, Cornelius is coming for you. He sends angels. He sends visions to make all this happen. And out of this, the message of the gospel is taken to another country, to another group of people. Why am I saying all of this? God's word is important. And his assignments may be challenging. They may stretch us. But they will cause us to be dependent upon God and the working of his spirit. God's assignment will demand God's help. But not only that, God's assignments tend to be bigger than you know at the moment. What God is doing when he knocks on your door, when he calls your name, when he gives you an assignment, what God is about to do is usually a lot bigger than you'll ever know at the moment. And it plays out in time. 
And it's so necessary for us to learn to be obedient. And when God calls our name, we rise up and say, yes, God, I will go. I will do what you ask me to do. See, I'm not asking you today to do anything I want you to do. I'm not asking you to do what your spouse tells you to do. How many are glad for that today? I'm not asking you to tell, do what anybody else tells you to do. I'm simply saying when God calls, answer the call and then obey his voice. Follow his instructions and do what he's led you to do. You see, God's plans in the earth are dependent upon our obedience. What God wants to accomplish in your life, it's dependent upon your obedience. Several years ago, I have a, a minister friend who now has gone to be with the Lord. He lived a long, full life. He circled the globe several times, touched many, many nations. He told me a story one time. He was preaching in the nation of, of India at a very, very large conference. It was a conference of denominational churches, and there, there are some denominational churches in especially in the southern part of India, the western part, in the major cities. There are some denominational churches that run, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people. I mean, God has done some amazing things in some of those major cities. And this organization was having a conference, and he was invited to come be one of the main speakers at the conference. And he arrived there, and there's a large, huge building, and it is jam-packed, packed full of people. I mean, it's just wall-to-wall -wall people. And they start the service, and of course, he doesn't understand the language, and so he's there listening, and they start with worship, and they're singing. And back behind him, two or three rows, when service starts, there's a woman who starts weeping and wailing and crying. They get through the first song, the second song, they go through the worship time, they try to go on, and the woman's just sitting back there, just weeping and wailing. And across the building, you might not hear, but on that side of the building, she's making so much noise, it's disturbing everybody. And she's weeping and wailing and crying out to God, and she keeps muttering the same thing over and over and over again. And finally, he turned to his wife, he said, would you take one of the women that speaks the language and take her outside and see what's going on? She's really disturbing things. So his wife went and got another pastor's wife. They went outside to talk to this lady. And this woman is just weeping and crying and weeping and crying. So the service goes on and they have a man come up and stand before the congregation. This man has just been chosen to be the leader of this entire organization that's going to touch hundreds of thousands of lives in India. And as the service goes on outside, his wife and this other woman are talking to this lady. And they're asking her, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? And they finally got her settled down. And she said, let me tell you my story. She said, when I was a young girl, I gave my heart to Jesus. I was born in a different religion. My family disowned me. I was left to myself. I had nobody, nothing else. She said, I started working with my hands to make a little money. I got a little one-room place where I could live. And one day, a family dropped off a baby to me. They didn't want the baby, and they said, here, raise this child. She said, I didn't know how to raise that child. Didn't have a husband, had very little money, but God said, this is an assignment for you. And she said, I took this baby in. He said, a few days later, somebody else dropped off another baby. And then another baby. 
And then another baby. And she said, in my little one-room house, there was so little room. And before long, I had children sleeping everywhere. It was like I was running a little orphanage in my own home. And God kept miraculously providing for me and those children. She said, my little house was jammed. And then one day, there's a knock on the door. And I got to the door, and there's nobody there. And I looked down, and there's a basket laying there with one more baby. She said, I cried and said, God, what are you doing? I don't have any more room. There's no place for this baby to sleep. God, I can't keep doing this. You've got to stop. I can't handle any more babies. And she said, I closed the door and said, God, send somebody else. I can't handle one more. And she said, but I went back inside. I waited a few minutes and something said, go get the baby. So she said, I went and got the baby, brought him in. And she said, I raised him. I raised him and all those kids to know God, and I've done this my whole life. They said, but why have you been crying? She said, because tonight, that baby boy has now become the leader of the largest denomination in the nation of Israel, I mean, of the nation of India. And she said, I've been crying out, God, what if I had said no? You see, there just might be people. There might just be a nation. There might just be something that God wants to use you to ignite. And maybe God is dropping something off on your doorstep this past week. For some of you people, it may be coming this week or next month. But what if God suddenly starts dropping things off on our doorstep? What are we going to do with those things? We're going to say, here I am, God. And then we're going to obey and let God do great things in our lives, in our church, in this world. Because God likes to drop things on our doorsteps. See, I see Ananias in this whole story. I see him looking at this saying, God, I don't want to go talk to Saul. This guy's a killer. He's crazy. This guy's a madman. I want nothing to do with him. See, here's the problem. Sometimes God drops something in our hearts and all we can see is the impossibility of it. We don't know how God might be working on the other end. Now, I want to go back to Acts 9, but go all the way up to verse number 3 because I want to show you this. Acts 9, verse 3. Paul, this man Saul, is on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus to persecute and imprison more Christians. But as he's on this journey, here's what happens, verse 3. As, as Saul journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. See, oftentimes, God gives us an assignment, and we're like, Oh, God, that's impossible. But on the other end, God's already working, preparing the soil for us to come and do what he's asked us to do. 
God's telling Ananias, you need to go to this house and meet with Saul. Oh, I don't want to go meet with Saul. God's already prepared Saul's heart. He's blinded him. He's put him in a house. He's been there three days seeking God. And God has opened the door for this insignificant man named Ananias to come over and do something significant for God. The stage has been set. If you go back and read, read the story, I love it. Ananias obeys he goes and finds the street, finds the guy's house, knocks on the door, they let him in, he goes into Saul, and the first thing he says is, Brother Saul, God has sent me here because you knew I was coming. See, God has already told Saul, there's a guy, Ananias, coming to see you. God's prepared the way before him. Ananias embraced God's assignment. He said, this is my assignment. This is my assignment. God, you don't need to call anybody else. You don't need to find anybody else. You see, I think sometimes we miss assignments and we say, God, find somebody else. And God says, okay, I will. You want to be insignificant? You can be insignificant. But I've got assignments for you. Brother Saul, he doesn't hesitate, looks him right in the eye, embraces him, lays his hands on him. Brother Saul, God sent me here for you. He embraced God's assignment as his own, and he spoke what God told him to speak. Have you ever been afraid not knowing what to say in a situation? Have you ever felt like God sent you somewhere or sent you to someone? Or have you ever felt like God opened the door and it was like, well, I don't know what to say. All I know is to say this, and it doesn't sound like it's enough. All you need to say is what God's given you to say. That's enough. And then finally, the last part of this message. The obedience of Ananias opened the door to significance, to miraculous things. Look at verse number 18. So he spoke to Saul, laid his hands on him. Here's what happens, verse 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus, verse 20, and then immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. In the moment, this is a big deal. Over time, it came a much, became a much bigger deal. It seemed like a big deal for an opponent of the church to come to Christ, to get saved. That's a big deal. But what happened after that became a much bigger deal. Ananias. Maybe he felt insignificant in the big picture. He played a major role in the conversion of this man, Saul, who later on became known as the Apostle Paul. And Paul was probably the most influential person in the biblical history of the church. And he came to that place because of Ananias' obedience to God. I'm almost finished. I want to pray in a couple of minutes. 
I want you to listen to it because I, I think God's speaking to some people. I mentioned earlier Elijah going to King Ahab because of his efforts over a period of time. There was a great revival that took place in Israel. And eventually Ahab was pushed off the throne. Because Mary said yes to the angel, she gave birth to the Son of God. Because Philip went down that desert road and ran into that Ethiopian eunuch. Did you know the oldest living church in the world is traced back to the book of Acts? And it's in Ethiopia. And it started with an Ethiopian eunuch. Think about that. And to stop and realize that Peter obeyed the voice of a vision, responded to Cornelius, and the gospel left Israel and began to spread to Italians and to other parts of the world. See, I believe God is about to give us some new assignments. Us as a church, yes. But us as people. See, the church is people. You can't separate from that. The church is people. That's scripture. And God is about to drop an assignment there and there and there and there and there and there. To every heart that will open. God is about to drop some assignments on us. That are going to impact this valley in our world. You say, well, what all's coming? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm convinced. God's not finished. I, I hear people looking at world conditions and say, well, it's over for us. It's not over for us. We're about to see greater things we've ever seen before. It's just going to happen differently than we thought. And here's the deal. God's going to use us to make things happen in our world. Everything God is doing in the earth today, it's done by His Spirit, and most of it is done through people. You see, God can do anything He wants to do any way He wants to do it, but God chooses to make us significant by giving us assignments to touch people's lives. You see, God, God speaks in different ways. Sometimes it's his word. Study, study the Bible. Look at the scriptures. Sometimes he does speak through dreams. Sometimes he does speak through visions. People have had angelic visits. It's there in scripture. But most often, most often, God speaks in a still, small voice. And he waits for us to say, here I am. Here I am. And sometimes, oftentimes, God speaks by dropping a seed in our heart and we just know that we know that we know this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. Jesus one day said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The significance of the mustard seed is twofold. It's Number one, it's tiny. Tiny, tiny, tiny little seed. Maybe the smallest of seeds. But when it finishes its work, it produces a plant that becomes a tree. And Jesus said, even the fowls of the air, the inhabitants of the earth can come and find shelter 
in that tree. See, what God does is he drops a seed in our heart. And if we water it and if we work with it and if we plant it in the soil and we take care of it and do what God's asked us to do and then put it back in God's hands, just like a natural seed, God's kingdom will grow and grow and grow. It's amazing the things that come from a seed. I believe today God's preparing our hearts to start dropping some seed to impact our it may seem small, it may seem insignificant. It's gonna produce great things. So what, what has God dropped on your doorstep? Maybe the last few days, maybe God's dropped something here and you're trying to figure out what do I do with it? You listen to God's voice and you follow his instructions. You steward it. You don't take, don't take it to yourself and say, this is mine. You say, this is God's. God, what do you wanna do in this? What do you wanna do in this? God's going to start dropping things on our doorsteps. What are we going to say? What are we going to do? Let me pray for you today. Father, I know this is a different morning. It's a different kind of message than what I normally preach. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is what you've dropped in my heart. You're speaking to us today as a church, us today as individual people. God, I pray that you would give us the willingness, the boldness. When you drop something on our doorstep, when you knock on our hearts, the first thing we do is we say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, God. What do you want? And second of all, I ask you to give us the boldness, the faith to obey you and do what you've asked us to do. God, I ask this in Jesus' name. We put this back in your hands to work in our lives and in your church in Jesus' name. Heads are still bowed just for one more moment. Maybe today you're listening to this message. You're here in the building or you're watching online. Maybe as you've sat and listened to this, God's knocking on your heart. God's trying to drop something on your doorstep because Maybe you've never committed your life to God and all of a sudden you've got an encounter and it's like God's saying to you right now, it's your time, I want you to know me. Let me tell you something, God loves you so much. He put his own son on a cross to pay for all of your sins, all of your mistakes, so they could be washed away and you could come into relationship with him. Everything that stands between you and God can be gone in a moment's time if you accept what Jesus did on the cross for you. God wants you to know him. He wants you to come into relationship with him. But he needs you to say yes to him today. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. But this will open the door for God to begin to work in your life. It's, it's just a simple way of saying, here I am, Lord. I'm going to ask everybody in the house, pray this prayer with me right out loud. Pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. I open my life to you. Please come in. I need you. Forgive me of all my sin. Bring me into relationship with you. I want to know you. Get involved in every area of my life. I give it all back to you. From this day forward, you'll be my father. I'll be your child. I will follow you 
I will learn your ways and I will see your hand work in my life. Thank you for receiving me. Show me the way. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, it's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life. It's opening your heart to God. God will respond to you, I promise you. Uh, Pastor Zach's coming right now. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you today. Amen. Can we thank Pastor Gary for that message this morning? Just a few things that we want to share with you before our service is over. And I just want to ask very quickly, just out of courtesy for everybody else around you, everybody that's here in the room, just hang tight for a couple more moments until the end of the service because this is really, really important. If you are here today and you made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe you made a decision today to rededicate your life to Christ. You know, we say this all the time, but we don't take these words lightly. That's the best decision that you could ever make in life, seriously, to follow Jesus and just surrender lordship of your life over to him because he paid the ultimate price for our redemption. And if that's you today and you want to start your walk with God or just continue in a closer way, we want to help you take your next steps. We have a free gift, a simple gift we want to give you. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's a small book that we want to put in your hand. It's a free gift. Again, we don't need anything from you. We just want to help you start your walk with God. And there's a few different ways that you can get it. Right after this service, we'll have some prayer teams here on either side of the floor, right up against these side walls. If you want to walk up to one of our prayer teams and just you know, let them know, hey, today I made a decision to follow Jesus and I want to get the book. They'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you. We're just here to help. If you're here today and you need special prayer or you made that decision, you want someone to pray with you and encourage you, that's why our prayer teams are here. So I want to encourage you, please take advantage of those prayer teams. Let them know that you need, you have a need, a request, something that's going on. You just want someone to stand with you and encourage you. They'll help you with that. If you need to go quickly at the end of service, stop by the next seven days desk. It's right between the glass doors before you exit the building. Just let them know you made that decision. You want to get the book and they'll give it to you as well. If you're watching online, there's a couple of different ways that you can get the next seven days. Just click on the connect tab right there on our website. And there's a box there on the connect card that says, I made a decision to follow Christ. Just check that box. We'll get your contact info and be happy to send you the next seven days. If you'd like to direct message us on any of our social media platforms, just DM us with the words next seven, and we'll get right back to you with your contact info and get you the next seven days, because we're glad that you made that decision. We want to help you start your walk with God. So as the family of God, can we just put our hands together one more time and welcome people into God's family today? Awesome. A couple things before we go this morning. Right now, we're going to honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings into his house. And we're not going to be passing containers or anything like that this morning. But this is just a moment where we just intentionally talk about this and say thank you to our church family for your faithfulness in giving. If you'd like to give this morning, if you came planning to give, there's a few different ways that you can give digitally that are on the screen. If you'd like to give a physical gift today as well, there's some giving stations here in the building. Before you exit this first set of doors here in the auditorium, there's a giving station on either side of the exit doors. There's also one near the kids' check-in. If you just go out to the foyer and turn right, you'll see a giving station there by the kids' check-in area. I just want to say very, very quickly to everybody, thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness and your giving. You know, this morning when Pastor Gary was talking in his message, it occurred to me that sometimes when I give, when I bring my tithe or I, I give an offering, sometimes when I give, it seems small in the moment. And sometimes we don't see the impact that we are having as a church because we're not back there every week in community care. You might not be back there to put food in somebody's hand. You don't see the work that's happening overseas. 
But I'm telling you, as a church, we are making a difference. And the way that we have been able to bless our missions partners this year and just stay faithful to them and the work that God has called us to in this valley, that is because of your generosity and your faithfulness. And we, from the bottom of our heart, we just want to say thank you so much for continuing to honor God and put him first. And let me just say one other thing, because I really feel strongly to say this this morning with this message. You know, I have learned over the last couple of years of my own life that when there's extra and when there's increase, when God brings more, I have to stop sometimes and ask the question, God, why did you put this in my hand? And it's amazing when you have that extra and that increase in your hand sometimes. If you'll stop and ask God the question, God, why did you give this to me? how quickly he will open your eyes to see the opportunity right in front of you that you might be able to bless somebody, you might be able to help somebody in need, you might be able to give towards something. I just want to give you something to think about that this morning. But listen, God gives seed to the sower. And if we choose to be sowers and we choose to see the opportunities, God will put increase in our hands and we will be able to be a blessing to the world in which we live. So again, thank you so much for your generosity and for your faithfulness in giving. We as a church are incredibly grateful. Hey, we are so thrilled that you've been in church with us today. We believe that God's got great things in store. Anybody happy to be in church today? Are you grateful for the word today? Awesome. Hey, have a fantastic Sunday. Have a great week. We love you. We are excited about Bridge Kids reopening next Sunday in our 1130 service, and we will see you next Sunday.